All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Welcome to the show. Tell me something I didn't need to know. April Fool's edition. Okay. Well, the fool's part's right. I know, there's a couple of them set at the table. <laughs> Admittedly. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that was me shaking my head, yes. Thank yeah, we don't have video. Okay. No simulcast yet. Feel so, like it's not, you know, yet. podcasting. Oh. It's when I get Etiquette. all. It's when I get all my merch and everything. Right. With the Sasquatches that everybody sends in. Then we're gonna. Okay. Then we're gonna video it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God, you the, guys scare well. me. So, so this is the show. Tell me something I didn't need to know. April Fool's edition. Your co-hosts are Mary Swartz, Larry Swartz, and myself, Andrew Crumble, and we are stupid. Yeah, there's that too. We are joined by a special guest host, the Giggly Ninja, who has agreed to speak. I'm not seeing him anywhere. Because he's ninja. Oh, that's because I fooled you. <laughs> We're not actually being guest hosted by anybody. We're not being guest hosted. Guest host. Yes, that All thing. Right. Wow. Okay. Anyway, there's nobody here. Clearly, I thought your eyes would work, but they don't. Um. Anyway, I fooled you. I guess it's payback for the left-handed whopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this was kind of Andrew's idea to do this for April Fools. Okay. So, uh the first one I have is from Britain from 1957, British news show, pretty serious show called Panorama. Broadcast a 3-minute segment which was hosted by Richard Dimble, Dimbleby, who was the show's highly respected anchor. I love Sounds English. Dimbleby, sounds yeah. Uh this Richard Dimbleby or <laughs> Dick Dimbleby, depending on. You want to read this? Like to you have this. a really good English accent. Oh, really? I, I, I know it would be forever. Is the show still on here? I don't know. This is from 1957. Yeah, I don't. Probably not. Of course, 60 Minutes has been on for a bajillion years. It so. hasn't just been on for 60 Minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Clyde little stopwatch is still clicking. <laughs> All right. This is his actual news segment that he read on air. It is not only in Britain this spring, this year, that has taken everyone by surprise. Here in the Ticino, on the borders of Switzerland and Italy, the slopes overlooking Lake Lugano have already burst into flower, at least a fortnight earlier than usual. But what, you may ask, has the early and welcome arrival of bees and blossom to do with food? Well, it is simply that the past winter, one of the mildest in living memory, has had its effect in other ways as well. Most important of all, it's resulted in an exceptionally heavy spaghetti crop. The last two weeks of March are an anxious time for the spaghetti farmer. There is always the chance of a late frost, which... <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> so many thoughts going through my head. Yeah. Right now. Just... It's 1957. There's probably people who believe it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> There is always the chance of a late frost, which, while not entirely ruining the crop, generally impairs the flavor. Oh no, the poor spaghetti! <laughs> and makes it difficult for him to obtain top prices in world markets. But now these dangers are over, and the spaghetti harvest goes forward. <laughs> spaghetti cultivation here in Switzerland is not, of course, carried out on anything like the tremendous scale of the Italian industry. Many of you, I am sure, will have seen pictures of the vast spaghetti plantations in the Pro Valley. For the Swiss, however, it tends to be more of a family affair. 
Another reason why this may be a bumper gear lies in the virtual disappearance of the spaghetti weevil, the tiny creature whose depredations have caused much concern in the past. After picking, the spaghetti is laid out to dry in the warm alpine air. Many people are very puzzled by the fact that spaghetti is produced in such uniform lengths. This is the result of many years of patient endeavor by plant breeders who succeeded in producing the, fam- the perfect spaghetti. Now the harvest <clears throat> is marked by traditional meal. Toast to the new crop are drunk in these boccolinos. Then the waiters enter, bearing the traditional ceremonial dish. This is, of course, spaghetti, picked early in that day, dried in the sun, and so brought fresh from garden to table at the very peak of condition. For those who love this dish, there's nothing like real homegrown spaghetti. I'm just thinking of what, 56 or whatever? 57. 57? You still can't be that gullible. Oh, yes, you can. 57. Hundreds they were even Karens back then, Larry. Hundreds oh. of people. Oh phone. my God, the poor spaghetti! I don't want it to frost over. What will I have for dinner? My first thought is England. You boys. Is up the spaghetti here, right? is know. the spaghetti farm right next to the meatball farm? <laughs> Hundreds of people actually phoned in no, to find out bushes. how they could grow their own spaghetti trees. Trees? I thought it was bushes. Well, it grows on trees and bushes, according to the pictures. That is went it possible with this. that it grows as a vine? No. No, it was trees and bushes. No, I'm confused. I have meatball bushes. Meatball bushes, meatball definitely. Meatball bushes. Well, you could definitely have meatball trees, though, too. I should you have, have meatball a, vines. I should have another stout. Yes, hundreds people. of people called in asking people. how they could plant their own spaghetti tree. April Fool's. Gotcha! I mean, you know, it's not quite War of the Worlds or anything where you got everybody across the country who actually calls I would love to grow my own spaghetti. <sighs> All right! <laughs> This is a... Really, I would love to be able to grow my own, you know, like, cheese bush and um, macaroni noodle patch. Right. Time supply. And then I would never go hungry. Right. Or you could eat ramen for a full year, 140 bucks. Cheap. If you grow your own Cheese is great when it's cheaper. right off the vine. <laughs> cheese is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does it come out as like a sap? Is it like a soft cheese? Or no. Like, oh, it just get... comes out in the little rolls. You oh, know? you got the little roll? Yeah. A cheese wheel? Yeah. You just pick it right off the vine. Make a big old bite. It's nice and juicy. Fresh cheese. It's amazing. I just, I just thought of it was, you know... A little salt on it? No. Why would you put salt on cheese? Some That's crazy. Do. Some people do. All right. Ready for the next one? Yep. 1976. All right. Now we're getting a little more... Yeah. ...modern. All right. During an interview on BBC Radio... Another England one. That was all nine. <laughs> And this, this is why these work, is because it's coming from England, the most straight-laced people in the oh, freaking world, yes. apparently. Yes. They have no sense of humor. At Very all. dry. Very... They're English. During an interview on BBC Radio, the British astronomer, Patrick Moore, announced that an extraordinary <laughs> astronomical event was about to occur. At exactly 9.47... The planet Pluto would pass directly behind Jupiter... In relation to the Earth, this rare alignment would mean that the combined gravitational force of the two planets would exert a stronger tidal pull, <laughs> temporarily counteracting the Earth's own gravity and making people le- weigh less. More called this Jovian Plutonian gravitational effect. More told listeners that they would, could experience the phenomenon by jumping in the air. 
at the precise moment the alignment occurred. <clears throat> if they did so, he promised they would experience a strange floating sensation. How many people jump? <laughs> at 9.47, Moore declared, jump now. <laughs> jump! A minute passed, and then the BBC... The BBC switchboard lit up with dozens of people calling in to report that the experiment had worked. (laughs) (laughs) A Dutch woman from Utrecht said that she and her husband had floated around the room together. Another caller claimed she had been seated around a table with 11 friends and that all of them, including the table, had begun to ascend. Did not know the tables could jump. But not everyone was happy. One angry caller complained he had risen from the ground so rapidly that he hit his head on the ceiling and he wanted compensation. (laughs) (laughs) That is the end of our story. All these folks, how many pints did they have before this happened? I mean, nine forty-seven in the morning. Come on. I was, I was thinking Irish, wasn't it's, I? It's Larry. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That, and yes, that nine forty-seven. Yeah, they're getting off to a late start, especially on a Friday. Because <laughs> sometimes I can't. Anyway, England again, honey. But look on your face. No, or, no, oh, okay, okay. No, this one's even closer to modern. Oh, this one is in nineteen ninety-five. I doubt if I remember it, but... It's in an issue of Discover Magazine. Exactly. Their website, yeah. The April 1995 issue of Discover Magazine reports Mm. that the biologist, Dr. Abril Pazzo, has found a new species in Antarctica, the hot-headed naked ice borer. 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 The hot-headed naked ice borer. These fascinating creatures... Yeah. Just in the ice. Sounds pretty sci-fi. These fascinating creatures have bony plates on their heads that, fed by numerous blood vessels, could become burning hot, allowing the animals to bore through the ice at high speeds. They use this ability to hunt penguins, melting the ice beneath the penguins and causing them to sink downward into the resulting slush where the hotheads would capture them and consume them. Now, could you imagine having footage to this? (laughs) (laughs) A flock of penguins and just a couple of them are like, whoop! Yep. <laughs> the little penguin would just get sucked right down. That would be awesome. <laughs> kind of like the thing was eating spaghetti. <laughs> After much research, Dr. Pazzo theorized that the hotheads might also have been responsible for the mysterious disappearance of noted, noted Antarctic explorer Philip Poisson in 1837. To the ice borers, he would have looked like a penguin. The article quoted her as saying. Well, so that's how you get people to, yeah, throw some actual facts in there with your, yeah. One. Yeah, one. One. The explorer. One. Yeah. One. Are you going to? I was going to say, and what become of all of this? Yeah. Because how many people bought into this? Uh, the discoverer received more mail in response to this particular article than they had received for any other article in their history. <laughs> it does not surprise me. <laughs> See, people are stupid all the time. April Fool's All right. Discover. See, that's an American. American. Come on, America. We can do better. All right. (laughs) We can do better than that. Yeah. Fucking England got us with spaghetti. The hot. (laughs) That one was good. That was good. That one was good. Bore whatever. Naked. Hot-headed naked. Ice borer. Ice borer. Yeah. So, yes. 
An article by John Borbeck in the April issue of PC Computing Magazine. Yep. Nope. Described a bill going through Congress that would make it illegal to use the internet while you're drunk. Or even <laughs> <And> eliminate me. <laughs> <laughs> or even to discuss sexual matters over the public network. Wow. Like he's picking on me. <laughs> the bill was numbered 040194, and the contact person was listed as Lerpus Loof. Passage of the bill was felt to be certain because who wants to come out and support drunkenness and computer sex? April Fool's backwards. <laughs> DeBork explained that the bill had come about because the Internet was often referred to as information highway, and he noted that Congress apparently thinks... Being drunk on the highway is bad, no matter what kind of highway it is. Point. The article Point. generated so many outrageous phone calls to Congress that Senator Edward Kennedy's office had to release an official denial of the rumor that he was a sponsor of the bill. <laughs> now, this is great when you can suck innocent people into it, you know, where they got to make a statement. Goes, no, no, what, what innocent politicians. Yeah. <laughs> How many people? It doesn't say, but it must have been a lie. It said so many outraged phone That's calls. That's just going to be my question for this. Is every, is how many people? A lot. How many did we suck in? All right. 1971. Now we're going back in time. Back the Texas, in time. Yeah, it's cool. The Texas House of Representatives <laughs> unanimously passed a resolution honoring Albert DeSalvo. Noting that he had been officially recognized by the state of Massachusetts for his noted activities and unconve- unconventional techniques. Involving population control and applied sexology. A mass murderer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy! The Texas politicians politicians were embarrassed when it was later revealed to them that DeSalvo was better known as the Boston Strangler. He had confessed to killing 13 women. The resolution had been submitted by representatives Tom Moore and Lane Denton, who said they did it to demonstrate... That no one reads these bills or resolutions. Oh, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. It's a fact even today they don't. I mean, if you have a bill or something come through that's 2,000 pages long or like the stimulus bill, they're not reading it. No. No. No, they have somebody great. else read it and then they give them the highlights. They have their aides and all that other stuff that supposedly, but that is great. Let's just put a serial killer in there. And, and recognize him for being awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Population <laughs> control. It's a very nice way of saying killing people. Yes. Yeah, it is. I constantly am talking about population control. <laughs> Not in that way. No. <sighs> Alrighty, 1982. I might remember it. 80s are a little bit. The Daily Mail? Shaky for me. Oh, that is from England. That is from London. Reported that a lo- local manufacturer had sold 10,000 rogue bras. They were causing a unique and unprecedented problem, not to the wearers, but to the public at large. Push up Ross. Apparently. <laughs> I already know where this is going. Apparently, the support wire in the bras had been made out of a kind of copper originally designed for use in fire alarms. Okay. Yeah, well, copper is a good. When this copper comes into contact with nylon and body heat, it produces static electricity. Ooh. Which in turn was interfering. With local television and radio broadcasts. <laughs> <laughs> A 
Upon reading this article, the chief engineer of British Telecom is said to have immediately ordered all of his female laboratory employees to disclose what type of bra they were wearing. Because he believed it. <laughs> April Fools. <laughs> I figured this would end with an erection or something. <laughs> I was kind of waiting to see how many women took their bras off. <laughs> I know when to screw up the TV. Yes. <laughs> the telly. But anyway. Oh, that is. Okay. I can't imagine being that guy. Just The dumb one? Yeah, the being found the out. The dumb one in the yeah. room? Found out he's been pranked. That would be a lot of sexual harassment lawsuits in nowadays. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, dear God. Excuse yeah. me, what kind of bra are you wearing? That is not a question you should be That's asking, sir. Bass. I don't care. That poor bastard would be in hiding right about now. <laughs> He'd be as wanted as Al-Qaeda. <laughs> 2002, have you heard of a supermarket chain, Tesco? No. They're apparently in Britain, too. Jesus <laughs> I love the British people. They, they really like fucking with people. I was born in the wrong country. Uh, They ran an ad in the Sun announcing the successful development of a genetically modified whistling carrot. The ad explained that the carrots had been specifically engineered to grow with tapered air holes in the sides. When fully cooked, the air holes caused the vegetable to emit a 97 decibel signal, indicating that they should be removed from the stove. 97 decimals is roughly equivalent to the noise level of a jackhammer. Yes, it's up there on scale. Opponents of this carrot envisioned a nightmare scenario for future generations becoming as deaf as a post, although with very good vision. (laughs) (laughs) People believe this stuff. I'm not surprised. And again, how many people? (laughs) I don't know. 1980, Soldier Magazine. <laughs> I'm just announcing it right <laughs> Soldier Magazine revealed that the fur on the bearskin helmets that were worn by the Irish guards while on duty at Buckingham Palace kept growing. <laughs> <laughs> and needed to be regularly trimmed. <laughs> oh, please tell me none of the soldiers did this. <laughs> I saw pictures of this one. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's gone. He got all he lost. He's it. lost it. He lost it. <laughs> How are people this stupid? <laughs> I mean, the person who comes up with this thing is totally fucking ingenious, but the people that believe it are ridiculous. Okay, composure. Uh, you have not answered. I'm just done. looking at you anyway. The Soldier Magazine article explains the helmets were originally made with from the skin of Russian bears, and that the thickness of this skin was such that it retained enough of the essential hormones and animal fats to sustain hair growth. <clears throat> Almost indefinitely. <laughs> 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 this is a well thought out one. <laughs> Never mind the fact that it's been dried, tanned, and you know everything else. But anyway. <laughs> the Cold War had eliminated new supplies of Russian bear pelts, but thankfully, the fur of Canadian grizzly bears turns out to have the same <laughs> self-regenerating properties. Wow! And it they comp- got people to buy into the Canada. Oh boy. 
An accompanying photo showed, showed the guardsmen sitting in an army barbershop having their helmets trimmed. <laughs> the editors of the London Daily Express were so impressed by the story that they passed their information on to their readers, apparently not realizing it was an April Fool's joke. Oh, England. <laughs> Country just sounds more awesome to me. <laughs> we go on. 1961. Uh, I was negative. But anyway. <laughs> he wasn't yet pregnant. Yeah, a little before my time. Uh, Milan's newspaper reported that city authorities had passed a law making it mandatory for horses to be outfitted with signaling and brake lights while being ridden through the streets <sighs> or neighboring countryside. <laughs> I wonder how many people got reported for not having signals on their horses. Many people subsequently brought their horses into car mechanics to have them outfitted with the necessary lights. In 61? <laughs> people are stupid dead too. People have been stupid all Who's throughout time. Dull. If people are still riding horses as a mode of transportation in 1961, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, we'll get a little bit more forward. We'll go to 2010. Have Again, you, I might remember. I have you heard of, heard of Think Geek? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No? <clears throat> Believe it or not. On time, online retailer Think Geek announced an exciting new product, Ooh. canned unicorn meat, which it described as the new white meat and an excellent source <laughs> of sparkles. <laughs> I was going to say. He probably had physical copies and it just had chicken in it. I'm just thinking, where's the glitter? Was my worst. It's an excellent source of sparkles. Sparkles, glitter, whatever. It's unlikely that many people believe that Think Geek was really selling unicorn meat, but the concept proved very popular. Popular enough that a few months later, the company started selling the product for real. <laughs> Decimating the unicorn herd. (laughs) (laughs) They're almost as rare as Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) The story gets just a little bit better. Okay. Oh, good Lord. Customers who ordered it received a stuffed unicorn toy inside a can, except for customers in Germany who complained they were not receiving their orders. Eventually, the reason for this delay was traced back to the shipments being halted by German custom officials who apparently believed that unicorns were real and had therefore decided that the product fell afoul of regulations banning mm. the importation of meats from rare animals. Oh, I was going to go there for <laughs> quarantining it, but no, they were outright banning it, going, no! You can't have your stuffed unicorn. <laughs> you can't have unicorn meat again because it's a rare animal. <clears throat> Happy April Fool's Day. Well, we said about everybody, but Germany, come on. <laughs> you could do better. And last but not least, we're going to New York City in 1974. Hi. An article by... Just kidding, the Titanic never really sunk. <laughs> <laughs> you watched the movie, they raised it. But anyway. An article by sports writer Bob Peel in the Syracuse Post Standard warned anglers to stay at least three feet away from the banks of streams and to absolutely not go into the water when fishing. An accidental mix-up at the hatchery had led to several dozen man-eating piranhas 
being released along with the thousands of trout that were set free in preparation for trout fishing season. Why would piranhas being be prepped for trout fishing season? The supplier got the batch mixed up. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know, Andrew. <laughs> so instead of eating the trout, they're going to eat the people. Release the piranha. The piranhas. <laughs> they didn't catch enough this year. Release the piranhas. <laughs> yeah. What? Thinning the herd. <laughs> Dealing with that problem of overpopulation. <laughs> the piranhas, the war- article warned, could completely devour an oxen in less than five minutes. So imagine what it could do to a man. Because, you know, we have so many oxen running around in the United States. In New York. In New York. In the water. Mm-hmm. Pity the poor oxen that steps in a stream in New York. Even the water bison are going, no. <laughs> Even the they're fi- going, hey, look at the stupid oxen. He's stepping in the water. <laughs> Even the fountain outside the downtown courthouse was potentially not safe because it had also been stocked with a few fish. The article ended with a line, quote, this is baloney, all pure baloney, end quote. But a reporter for WSYR-TV apparently didn't read the entire story. Just read the first paragraph. Shared the warning with his viewers, causing piranha fear to spread throughout the whole county. <laughs> you think New Yorkers would know better, you know, with the alligators and the sewer resorts? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, come on. Probably also started as an April Fool's joke. <laughs> Uh, Bob Peel reportedly had to spend the next few days answering a lot of phone calls from worried anglers, reassuring them that there really weren't piranhas loose in the waters of upstate New York. April Fools. I'm just being a smartass. The biggest one I remember is uh, Sports Illustrated with Sid Finch. That was an April Fool joke. Guy could supposedly throw 168 miles an hour. hour. I read that one. <clears throat> he had never. Been in baseball? No, he wasn't even... He wasn't a pitcher. People they, believed it. They pulled it off. Yeah, they did. I remember that distinctly <laughs> because at the time I was still... I was subscribing to Sports Illustrated, the magazine, and yeah, it was on the cover. This yeah. gangly dude, head on backwards, and all... Yeah. yeah. So, they fleshed that one out pretty good, too. No, a lot of good stuff throughout the years. Well, that's... There were some pretty funny things in there. Yeah, there were. So... Especially in England. Yeah. Funny country. Yeah, it so, is a funny country. So that's our April Fool's episode for you guys. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I know Andrew did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love su- laughing. I'm surprised he didn't snot on himself a little bit at least. Nope. He kept it snot contained. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was fun. Thanks for everybody who stopped by and lent us their ear today. We hope you enjoyed our story. That is not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you can, in fact, still find us on Facebook or... You can email us at tmsidntk at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at tmsidntk. If you have any suggestions, ideas, or comments, keep them to yourself. (laughs) 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 If you have lots of mean things to tell us, do so. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please. Peace. 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 Please do comment and and like our our podcast. (laughs) <laughs> you can leave a rating and review, follow us, whatever. You can find us anywhere that you listen to crap on. They call us crap. Yes. <laughs> You're not? No. Ouch. Okay. Oh. Wrap it up.
Oh, All editing is done by, well, probably my mom, because I'm too damn lazy to do it. And Larry. I haven't learned yet. <laughs> he doesn't know how I to do it yet. <laughs> and the three fools at this table wish you a happy April Fool's Day, guys. Yes. Enjoy. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. A long time ago, when the earth was green, there are more kinds of animals than you've ever seen. They'd run around and play while the earth was being born, but the loveliest of all was the unicorn. They're green alligators and long neck geese, some humpty back camels and some chimpanzees, some cats and rats and elephants, but sure as you're born, the loveliest of all was the unicorn. Now the Lord seen some sinning, and it gave him pain. He says, stand back, I'm gonna make it rain. He says, hey, brother Noah, I tell you what to do. Build me a floating zoo, and bring some of those green alligators and long neck geese, some humpty back camels and some chimpanzees. Some cats and rats and elephants, but sure as you're born, don't you forget my unicorn. Now Noah was there to answer the call. He finished building the ark just as the rain started falling. He marched in the animals two by two, and he called out as they went through. Hey Lord, I got your green alligators and long neck geese. Your humpty back camels and your chimpanzees Your cats and rats and elephants But Lord, I'm so forlorn I just can't see no unicorn Now Noah looked out Through the driving rain Those unicorns were laughing And playing silly games They're running and playing While the rain was pouring All oh, them silly unicorns they're green alligators and long neck geese Some humpty back camels and some chimpanzees Noah said close the door, cause the rain is pouring And I just can't wait for no unicorn The ark rose up and drifted with the tide And the unicorns looked up from the rocks and they cried And the waters came down and sort of floated them away that's why you'll never see a unicorn to this very day. It, it, it's, it's okay, Mark, really, it is. It's, it's okay, Mark, really. Why Well, because you might think this is the ending to the song. But I'd have to tell you, friends, that in fact you'd be wrong. You see, unicorns are magical, so the rain started pouring. They grew themselves some wings and they took dust soaring. There were green alligators and long neck geese, some humpty back camels and some chimpanzees. But if you're looking for the unicorn, don't be forlorn. The second star on the right and straight on until morn. <laughs> <laughs>